episode of My Haunted Life Podcast with me, your host, Angela Hertzor. How are you doing today? Is it just me or did January seem to last forever? Well, welcome to February, finally. The month of Black History, Valentine's Day, and adorable little groundhogs. In ancient pagan days, the 1st of January is known as Imbolc. Imbolc is a holiday celebrating midwinter, that spring is right around the corner. It's used for introspection and planning. It is also the day of, I looked this up, let's see if I can't butcher it, Kaliha, an Irish crone earth goddess that goes and gathers firewood on this day for the remaining winter. It is said that if she wants winter to continue for a while longer, Imbolc will be bright and sunny so she can go out and gather wood. But if it's cold and stormy, she is still asleep and will run out of firewood soon so winter will be over sooner. Here, personally, it was absolutely gorgeous. It was almost in the 60s. I went and walked around town and went to work. It was lovely. Went and got myself a, what was it, a lavender white hot chocolate. It was awesome. And now I'm worried. (laughs) Since I'm in the mountains of Colorado, I'm just going to assume it's going to be bad because we get most of our snowfall in the spring anyways. That being said, my guest for this evening, the amazingly talented and lovely Aristotle Promagulius of Egregory Design, was in New Jersey and absolutely getting hammered by the snowstorm out there. We actually had to delay a day because of how bad it was. I have a feeling that he is going to have a very lovely spring this year. Uh, we talk all sorts of things tonight, including Ari's artwork and his advice for fellow artists, paranormal experiences, and so much more. So let's get into it, shall we? Grab yourself a cup of tea. Make sure the doors are locked and the sage is close by. I have a story to tell you. Today I am on with my buddy Ari, and thank God he loves me and sent me pronunciation things. So I am on with Aristotle Promagulius. You the, got it. I got it. 
is the artist behind a gory design who has produced a cult folklore horror and mythical inspired artwork for the past 10 years his work has been featured on album covers for valentine wolf promotional poster work for bands like stabbing westward and lords of acid and promotional work for films like hellboy and crimson peak he also has produced an interactive live show uh, called The Goblin Market that takes inspiration from turn of the 19th century macabre and also academic panels on the occult and the strange from the same time period for large conventions. This is actually where we met. Uh, The best place to reach his art is on social media. Facebook is always the easiest one. So facebook.com slash Agori Design. And his website is in redevelopment. So, all right. How are you today, sir? Are you staying warm, most importantly? Um, I'm definitely trying to. We just got hit with a pretty big snowstorm. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm doing great. I'm great. Oh, that was weird. Are you still there? Uh, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Yes, my sound got really funky for a second okay. it sounded really cool it sounded like you did it on purpose <laughs> so you were telling me about uh your name not your like aristotle name but agori uh design real quick what where does that name come from um well it's uh it's it's an occult concept where a collective of people will come together and from that a um a uh, spiritual entity is is constructed or formed or just even arises. I mean, you kind of see it with Enochian type of traditions as well, but there was a long time in the, uh, you know, the kind of the 19th century spiritual me- movement where it was really kind of considered as well. Um, I also do believe that early uh, psychology as well postulated on the idea of it. So as far as when it came to like how I wanted to identify myself as an artist, I really liked that idea of just kind of like tapping into something that, I don't know, it's it's greater than me, it's in the moment, it's just bringing all elements together and just kind of trying to voice it, trying to find, you know, the perfect image of it. No, I love that. And... Like I said, I met you through the Goblin Market. Where did that idea come from? Um, It was an idea I had for some time. Uh, When I would go to conventions, uh, I'll be honest with you, uh, it takes a lot to kind of keep my interest. And the concept (laughs) was, is what if we blended uh, this kind of interactive zone that isn't horror, but definitely is in that vein. It's definitely in that dark vein. But really try to turn it into a like a free for all. It's some parts exhibition. It's some when I say exhibition, I mean specifically people get to exhibit whatever it is that they do. Be it they're a vendor and they want to exhibit their wares, or they are a musician and they want to exhibit their music. The one thing I wanted to do was draw people into this something you know, something in the terms of something wicked this way comes sort of mood where it's this weird type of carnival feel. It's a bizarre, 
and it's a, it's a complete artistic expression of each individual participant. A vendor, if they sold, like, let's say, dark decor, they could appear to be, like, kind of curio salespeople. A band could just somehow spin off into different personas and not directly sell their music, but kind of hint at it, leave breadcrumbs. And to pepper inside of all this, we had live music as well. They were all handpicked, the live music, to kind of give that feel. I mean, we had a lot of good people. We had, uh, you mentioned Valentine Wolf. We had Valentine Wolf. If you remember Terrence, um, who uh, did um, Repo the Jag Opera. I didn't get to meet him. We were busy putting clothes back on. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, he had a new project and he was part of the show at one point as well. It was just a really awesome uh, show that we did five, six years. We've done over 20 of them for different events. Mm. Loved it. No, it was so much fun. And it's like, we, I can't even remember why we started talking, but I was so excited when I got to come out and visit you guys because it was this, it was such a wonderful event. It was like, it was so cool. And uh, I will always remember... Because it was my first time out in that part of the country, first time in New Jersey, and just sending you like Bon Jovi songs the entire time I was flying. And uh, uh, you promised, well, there was probably some champagne involved, but us uh, talking about going out to the Pine Barrens if there was time. Cause I the, do remember that, yeah. Yes. I'm sorry, unfortunately. It was just kind of, uh, especially when I'm in event mode. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I don't I don't really let my hair down that much at event mode, except until everything's settled. But those times are so far and few in between. It's usually like this mad dash before. Yep. And then afterwards, it's just, you know. So I owe that to you. That's what I'm saying. I Next time you're here, you're going to the Pine Barrens. I... I'm a, I've been holding you to that for years now. I just need to actually get back out there. Consider it done next time. It's going to happen, man. Oh, yeah. It will. So, where did you get this uh, interest in the occult and paranormal and dark kind of things? Um, I mean, when I was younger... Uh... I guess you could say I just I fell into it. Um, I mean, it's it's a typical story for a lot of people. It starts off with like this enjoyment of like horror movies and things like that, and then like you, you kind of want to cross the next bridge. So then it went into kind of urban exploration type of deals, <laughs> and that kind of just kind of jived into when I started to work in art, or I found that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. You know, like so when it came together. I mean, I have a very kind of interesting kind of relationship with, like, what we call the dark. I mean, especially with my art. I, I don't – like, there are some artists that will do dark things, and they'll, they'll try to make it overtly, you know, trying to inspire fear, trying to inspire terror and things like that. I I do that sometimes, but I like to find the beauty that is in, the, in, in dark images. And, for example, when you kind of look at monsters or ghosts or what have you, these – these people of folklore and myth, 
I try to find the humanity inside of them because mm-hmm. I think that ultimately they're reflections of us and not necessarily always negative ones. They're just reflections of different things. Uh, no, that's such a pretty way to put it. I love it. Uh, so, uh, I remember us talking, what kind of paranormal experiences have you had? I've had, um, I've had a couple, um, especially when you do urban exploration. Oh. I definitely had a couple. Um, the interesting thing about me and paranormal experiences is I like to call myself the most open-minded skeptic you'll ever meet in your <laughs> life. Um, as far as where I even side in the skepticism field is I'm agnostic. I basically, I don't know. That's where I come down to. Like, I legitimately don't know. I know enough that I've had enough experiences where I believe that there's a lot more to this, um, to this entire experience we call life. But it's kind of funny how you normalize the paranormal when you encounter it more than one time. Yeah. You're like, that, oh, that happens. I'll give you a perfect example. In our area, we have a place called Clinton Road. Now, when I was a teenager and early 20-something, I must have been there, I want to say, two dozen times. Okay. Right? It's a long stretch of road. I will tell you, most of the time when you're driving on Clinton Road, and it's a long stretch of road, there's no lights, mm. you'll see a car coming the other direction. Not making this up, you'll see a car coming, and they'll make a left turn or a right turn. Now, the issue is, is if they are trying to make a right turn from the direction that you're on, they're probably going to go into the reservoir. But, I mean, in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's like a hidden driveway, maybe, maybe I'm just not seeing something. But you would always see that. You would just see cars like turn into nothing, like make a turn to where you can't make a turn. And again, the way that your mind normalizes it is, is you then become obsessed. You're like, okay, we got to find the driveway they pulled into. But no, I mean, that was completely creepy. Um, Whoa. Been, oh, yeah. So you went back and looked, and there was no driveway or side road or anything. Yeah, I, I would make the worst person in a horror movie because <laughs> if something supernatural happens, I will now become obsessed to figure out what the hell happened. <laughs> like, I'd be like, everyone, everyone, be quiet. We need to go see where that woman disappeared into a wall. I need to know how this happened. So, I can see that, which is funny. I actually have a childhood memory, and uh, this is actually the weirdest thing that I can remember, okay. uh, like as far as ever happening to me. Um, I remember distinctly I woke up in the middle of the night, and my entire house, I had to be 10 or something, was purple. Like, I'm saying everything was lit purple. Purple? Now, yeah, purple. Okay. Now, I know this wasn't a dream because I literally got up as a little child, walked into the living room, which was far away, and then I just kind of, like, was found on the couch the next morning, and they wondered how I got there. But as far as, like, again, I've researched into all this stuff. Some people say something like that is a sign of alien abduction. I can tell you I did did not see any little green men. (laughs) They're not green. They're gray with bulging eyes. I did not see that. But I'm, I'm telling you, hand on my chest. I woke up, and the only way I could describe it to you, it wasn't like there were spotlights. It was just like everything, the wall, the ground, everything was just emanating this very, like, kind of very light purple. That's so funky. I've... I, 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 know what that, 
I knew at that age, like, this isn't normal. Yeah. I feel like at 10, you're, you're, you're getting a little bit better handle on things. I'm like, alien abduction, definitely. But also, I've heard of, like, um, almost like The Shining, where you, like, go back in time kind of thing in different weird house color lights or dimensional shift, I guess. But that, that's freaking cool. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the other things I could tell you is is ghostly encounters that I am so stubborn that I will try to find any other reasons for, even though that there is a part of me that tells me, eh, it probably wasn't a normal answer. Like, I'm talking about literally hearing footsteps on something you could not, there, there couldn't be footsteps. Unless somebody was literally, like, walk. like, all right, when I was being, when I was, like, growing up, I lived in the attic. Okay. My room. I've heard footsteps going across my ceiling, like someone walking on the other side. So either there was a burglar that was on my roof multiple times, or I don't know what that, I don't know what it was. I mean, me being me, I'm like, you are in New Jersey. It could be the Jersey Devil. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I, I didn't really listen for hoof print. Uh, I mean... But that goes back to, like, the sentiment that, I mean, I feel I have. I don't know if anyone else does. That, like, when you encounter it the first time, you are just scared, like, S-less. But after a while, you normalize it. You're like, oh, there's the footsteps again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's squirrels. I, I don't know. It sounds a little bit too big for squirrels, though. I mean, if you live in a haunted place, I feel like you just, you don't have a choice in the matter. You kind of... Have to. Yeah. Sorry, if you hear a cat, she's an attention whore. Please ignore her. <laughs> um, so, I could just see, I'm, I'm just picturing you going into, like, a spooky place and you just being like, huh. Um, what do you think is the weirdest, scariest paranormal experience you think you have had? Um, I was at the, um, it was a place called the Overbrook, which was an abandoned tuberculosis ward. Ooh. That was in the middle of, uh, I wouldn't say a forest, but it was densely populated trees. Like you didn't have anything probably within like a mile around you. Um, we were there, it was during the day. We were just doing our normal, normal urban exploration, taking photos, all that stuff. And to this day, I clearly... And it wasn't just me, it was four other people. We heard what sounded like a woman on an old-fashioned intercom talking. Oh! Now, you, you couldn't make out anything that she was saying. I can tell you that it sounded like, it didn't sound like a recording. It sounded like, literally, if this place was in service, it was a nurse on an old-fashioned kind of intercom system, relaying some sort of, you know, kind of normal information and we distinctly heard it when we were inside one of the buildings wow whoa i'm just like i'm trying to that's i mean it's so disappointing you couldn't hear what it was saying but i'm just considering that's a tuberculosis tubercula a oh god i cannot talk a tb ward and yeah uh abandoned i mean abandoned hospital are terrifying anyways. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's so creepy. I love it. Now, that one hit me the most because, like, again, when I'm by myself, I'll try to rationalize it. But when you got three other people that are swearing, they heard exactly what you just heard. There's no way of denying it. There's absolutely no way of denying it. Yeah. Paranormal experiences with people are so, like, special and unique. And it gives some credence to what you're experiencing. So that definitely helps. But, damn, yeah, that, that would creep me out. And like I said, much in the same vein that I would be the first person to die in a horror movie, <laughs> I was running all around trying to find the source of it. Oh, no. Oh, I, I had... To, well, I mean, in my defense, it was in the middle of a sunny day, though, too. So, like... Well, that helps. <laughs> yeah, the interior was, like, decrepit and creepy, but, like... When it's sunny, you you have a lot more courage, a lot more. Well, yeah, that helps. But still, yeah. I'm I'm like hospitals and intercom voices. That just mm, I don't think I like that. Yeah, it was kind of Silent Hill esque. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Um, that's exactly where my mind went. Um, so uh, have any of your paranormal experiences ended up in your artwork? Um, that's a good question. Uh, so, no, so yes and no. This is something way back in the day. I actually was friends with a, with a guy out in Pennsylvania that was just an amateur, like, ghost hunter. Fun. And, and he used to give me his art. He just wanted me, well, not his art, his photographs, and he wanted me to clean it up. Oh. And, and here was the funny so I clean it up, and there's clearly orbs in it. Like, clearly there's orbs in it. Mm-hmm. And now, I, I hate to say this, but, like, my skeptical mind battles when I look at orb photography, where I'm like, is it dust particles? Is oh, yeah. I feel like you have to do that with orbs. It's like, just in case any listeners don't know, the idea behind orbs is they're manifestations of energy spiritual of some kind electromagnetic whatever and if you get a picture of them it's supposed to be that manifestation of the spirit again if you take a picture in a dusty place you get a lot of orbs that are not spirits (laughs) uh yeah i mean it's again it's just one of those things that like you know i'm open-minded skeptic i want to believe but my mind just kind of holds me back and I'm like it could be dust I I need more mm-hmm. so what I did is I gave him back the cleaned up photography you know because he's my friend and we did some urban exploration together and I, I loved it I mean I, I it was a great time it was a great time but then I took the photographs and then I would be like okay now let's make this spooky with art how can oh. we take this how can we take this photograph and really kind of inject some sort of like kind of paranormal haunted narrative into it and so um that was actually one of my first kind of forays into what would be my art form of mixed media my art involves many times photography but then also um digitally created uh things you know that i make whole wholesale and also um just drawings as well that i blend all together because um, i'm crazy and i like to work in different mediums <laughs> So that was one of my first things, and I remember showing it to him. Like, and it was like weeks later. He's like, "Wow, imagine if that was real." And I'm like, "Yeah, dude. Unfortunately, we just got orbs. So when you're real one, this is just something I made 
because you know I wanted I wanted to tell a haunted narrative with it. I still might have it. I'm saying this is like long before I even started becoming a professional artist. It was like one of my first pieces. I mean, don't search too hard. But if you happen to come across that, please send it to me because now I'm curious. Of course. Well, in turn, if you or any of your guests or listeners has a haunted picture, I would love to give that a crack again. Oh, my God. Are you serious? You're going to get so much stuff from me now. You just doomed yourself, sir. Okay. I look forward to it. I welcome it. I, welcome it. <laughs> I feel like it's a challenge now. Oh, yeah. I, so many good or pictures I'm going to send you. <laughs> um, I'm going back and looking at uh, the questions from uh, audience members. And a lot of it had to do with um, your art. Uh we kind of talked about what inspires you to make your pieces, where, where your inspiration comes from. Uh, um, one of the questions I thought was interesting uh, was, do images come to you in dreams or do they form themselves throughout the process? Uh, the answer is both. Um, it really... Okay, there's been many pieces in which I set out to do something else. And halfway through, you know, because these take sometimes two weeks, sometimes a week, sometimes I'll get a dream or inspiration and, and I'll want to go in a different direction immediately or throughout the process, it just something else speaks to me. And in each individual one, it always starts off with either a concept or trying to explore a figure of folklore or a figure of uh, mythology mm. or a, a urban legend or something. And I, I like to tell everyone I need to find my own voice in it. If I can't find my own voice in it, then I just, I, I can't do it. Like I get, I get people like suggesting things all the time. Oh, wow. You should do this. And that, <laughs> that. Many of the pieces that I go back to are things that I either experience in dreams or just kind of like speak to me. Um, for example, a, a lot of the work that I do deals with like, you know, the, the, the motif of death and the maiden. Yes. And that kind of intricacy dance between life and death is something that I find that speaks to me often. Like, uh, you could say that if you want to tackle it from like a psychological it's me just even thinking about my, my own mortality. I, on the other hand, kind of, I never like to think, whenever, when anyone tries to pose something as a binary, like good and evil, light and dark, I, I'm so stubborn that I'm like, no, there's gotta be a middle <laughs> point. There's gotta be something in the middle because I don't believe any of us are, are a binary. I, I don't think any of us are just purely good, purely evil. And then, what are these things? Like, what are these concepts? Typically, we're a clash. We're this kind of mixture of both that makes this... That's what the beauty of everything is. And, um, yeah, no, I mean, there are some pieces, like, um, when I did my um, autobiographical uh, kind of piece, which is called Orpheus, that was from a dream. And that oh. dream is just uh, seeing my life, like, just, you know, like, kind of being in this kind of room that's like again if we want to go back to the theme of silent hill very silent hill, hill like hill-esque room but there's a powerful beautiful light coming through uh double bay doors so that was from a dream 
Hmm. No, I love it. That That's from one of my admins, Kayla, because she always comes up with amazing questions. Um, oh, oh she, had, she has a whole bunch. We're going to go through them, man. Let's go through them. Um, uh, we might as well just go through them. Why not? Uh, have you faced any negativity from people who uh, have seen your art and don't like it for some odd reason? I don't know why, but... Have you ever oh. dealt with random haters? Uh, I mean, I'm on social media, so that has happened before. <laughs> Oddly, it happens with the most... If I go too much into... It's odd. If I do something that's just normal, devil-like, no, I, I, I've never gotten that. But when I specifically do something that's like a Baphomet, like I've done two or three Baphomets then people will kind of come out of the woodwork. It's kind of weird, though. It's like, well, you, you didn't really care about Lucifer, but now Baphomet, like, that's your line? Um, but it, it's never been anything that was antagonizing. I mean, as far as, like, my personal, my personal life goes, my family's oddly really supportive. Um, <laughs> I feel like when you know the artist behind something and you know who they are and you, you, you know their heart, you could say, you don't really get really too worried and miffed by it. I mean, I, I will say this much. My, like, it, certain members of my family are just like, I, you know, I wish you would do normal things. <laughs> While other members of my family were really oddly like, I love that piece. I'm like, you love that piece? Oh, wow, okay. That's that's interesting. That's really interesting. Huh. Uh, but as far as work or anything, I, I don't really don't get all too much negativity from the occasional, you know, really religious people that think in some sort of way that I'm, I'm in league with the devil or so. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, kind of accurate, but you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you tell the other artists who are struggling to be understood and who are still waiting to connect with the right audience? So, um, my best advice is it really depends on where you feel that you are particularly in your career. If you feel like you're still trying to find your voice, your venue, and your audience. Um, I mean, really, it's all about putting yourself out there. Like, to... The way I describe it to people is... is if you're going to do a passion project where you don't think you're going to make that much money, then do the passion project you want to do. Like don't take any job that comes to you, but like roll the dice. You know, if you're, if you really like a band or something, or if you really like a filmmaker or an artist or something, just reach out to them. And like, honest to God, you're, you'll be surprised who responds back to you, you know, and just say like, Hey, I want to show you some of my work. Or if you're a fan of a podcast or something, like, hey, I love your podcast. Would it be cool if I, like, made you a promo? You know, I, I want to do it because I'm a fan. And it all involves you continue, continually trying to develop your voice. Like, we all start at the beginning somewhere. So we all start off with just trying to learn our talents and our skills. And we only get better when we keep on doing something, when we keep on going. But also, you gotta experiment as well. You gotta like leave your comfort zone. You gotta, you just, you just kind of ha have to feel it. But the way to really kind of make a name for yourself is never stop doing it. Always improve, and go out of your way to connect 
to those other artists, those other pieces of media institutions that you personally resonate with. Because you may get no often, but my God, those yeses that you get open doors. They really open doors. Oh, I love that. That made me happy. That was a good one. I like it. Talking from a successful 10-year artist going on. That's am- I love it. Um... Okay, honey bunny, just uh, say anything, basically. Anything, basically. I love you. A big thank you to everyone out there listening today. And, of course, a big ol' thank you to the wonderful Aristotle Promagulius. I can't stop saying it now. Egregory Design. You should really make sure to go check out his work. It's absolutely wonderful. You can find it at facebook.com slash design. If you like the podcast, please rate and review me on your favorite podcast apps. If you want to support the podcast, you can check out our Patreon page. Please make sure to hop in the Facebook group and hang out, and that's about it. I will see you guys next week on my Haunted Life podcast. Bye!